You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Chasen with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. And Scott, your tan from Time and Ames mm-hmm. looks incredible. Thank you very much. You know, I heard a riddle uh, in Ames that I'd like really? to pass along oh, to you. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just curious, what, what's better, an ugly win or a pretty loss? Because the adjectives are kind of confusing me on that one. The ugly win is always better. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. That's probably not great for one of the two teams we talk about a lot on this show. Yeah, well, it was a pretty loss for KU, I can tell you that. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13, and of course, uh, answer our weekly poll questions. I got lost. And make your game predictions at thedriveshow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two minute drill. The two minute drill sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Well, K State picked up its seventh victory of the season with a 30 27 victory at Texas Tech. How did K-State break its two-game losing streak? Man, they won. That's how they did it. <laughs> I, I really, as that game progressed, I was really worried Kansas State was kind of falling into what Texas Tech wanted. This game was 6-3 to three at halftime, and then all you-know-what broke loose is both teams scored 24 points in the second half, and I really thought that was playing into Texas Tech's shootout mentality, go fast, score a lot of points, their comfort zone. But Kansas State was able to answer often and then play just good enough defense to get it done during the course of this game. And uh, the Red Raiders piled up a lot of yardage, but not the points to accompany it, which is pretty incredible. And, and then uh, Joshua Youngblood did his thing again with a remarkable kickoff return in which he read a block for a good 30 yards until he got around the guy for uh, a touchdown and then got an uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for apparently what was not that big of a dance. <laughs> and uh, it cost him 15 yards and Tech came right back down and scored, which really turned this into the shootout that you didn't want. But Kansas State was able to kind of muster the strength and find a way to get things done. And Skylar Thompson just really took advantage of a really bad Tech secondary. And Sebastian Taylor finally made a breakout for Kansas State. And which is good to see because he's a big athletic target who hasn't always been on the same page with everyone else in the offense, which, by the way, is important that you're running the same play. (laughs) But uh, this was a good win for Kansas State. Getting number seven gets him over the 500 mark for the season. They will be that way at season's end no matter what happens down the stretch here. And it really says a lot about what Chris Kleiman's doing in Manhattan, that he can get this program to seven wins with essentially a watered-down version of the roster. Yeah, there's some additions from last year, but there's some big subtractions, too. A team that went 5-7 and last year is 7-4 and this year going into that game with Iowa State. Yeah, I I just thought the composure from Kansas State was impressive. They obviously allowed that late touchdown. I think it was a fourth down play, a long touchdown down the right sideline. I think had the penalty on top of that, and 
Look, Kansas State got the ball back in a scenario where you knew you needed to get a first down, maybe two, to win the game, put it on ice. Fitz, I thought it was impressive how they yeah, handled that situation. They finished the game with four injured defensive secondary players. So they were missing their starting corners and, and their top two nickelbacks. And on that long play you mentioned, they had their third nickelback mm -hmm. in. And they had a nice conversation, Coach and Lance Robinson, almost like, you got this? Yeah, I got this. He didn't, he didn't have it. <laughs> but he played a great game other than that. We have those conversations yeah, too. exactly. The KU football offense returned to its explosive form against Iowa State. It was almost like Brent Deerman was calling play. <laughs> and even led the Cyclones in the fourth quarter. Scott, did you learn anything about the Jayhawks this week? Weekend. Yeah, I think the one thing that we all learned watching this game was that uh, Les Miles' talk after the last game about a spe specifically individual improvement, that, that it did not fall on deaf ears. I think uh, the players were fired up, they were energized, and yeah, the play calling looked a little bit better after that first drive. I think KU had seven scoring opportunities when you count uh, field goal attempts and then obviously touchdowns. But uh, Les Miles challenged the team after Oklahoma State. The impression that I got coming off that loss, it was a 31-13 game with both KU touchdowns being scored in the fourth quarter was that Les Miles was not happy, maybe not quite with the effort, maybe not quite with the execution, but something. There was something missing that all season he had talked about, you know, being impressed with this team, that they're going to win games, that they're going to be good down the line. It felt like something was missing that game, and I sensed a little bit of frustration just during the week from Les Miles that, you know, we really haven't seen throughout the year. This was the response by Kansas, and uh, look, the Jayhawks got down early. They really only hung in the game in the first half because uh, they got a few field goals. They made three out of four in the first half, which was uh, good enough for kicker Liam Jones, even though they were all uh, less than 40 yards. And yeah, down the, the second, down the stretch in the second half, Carter Stanley just got on fire. He was, was connecting amazing. on uh, deep balls. He was making all the reads that you would want him to make. And uh, again, I, I thought it was funny. It might have been a couple weeks ago that uh, KU called a bunch of quarterback runs early because the thought was, well, Carter Stanley typically does better when he gets hit a couple times, he gets into the flow of the game, which traditionally has been the case. However, you can't manufacture it. You can't fake it. You can't just call a quarterback dive, send him up the middle, and then say, okay, now you're in the flow of the game. I thought this was a much more organic way to do it. I thought the play calling, uh, again, especially in the second half, but I mean, really in that first half, they were on the on knocking on the door of the red zone or in the red zone multiple times. Again, kicked four field goals. I think all of them less than 40 yards, so obviously uh, they were in a position to score. Now it's just about finishing things off. They got the game against Baylor to do it, but no, I, I thought it was an impressive effort. And an important topic here, I love the uniforms. I love the all-whites, mm -hmm. except for the weird silver paint on the back of the mm -hmm. helmet, like they decided to add a little spray paint. Yeah. I, I've never been a fan of the all-whites. I think they look like kind of like um, marshmallows. I forgot the word for a second there. Lovely. <laughs> I like marshmallows. Yeah. Let's move to the Big 12. Baylor and Oklahoma both won on Saturday, and despite both having a game this week, they will play for the Big 12 title in two weeks. That's how far ahead they are. Scott, is this the matchup and can Baylor beat Oklahoma this time? Can they can they win all four quarters instead of just two? Well, I was going to say maybe if they take a, what would it be, 31 to three or 41 to three or 51. I mean, here, here's what's going to happen. No matter what go, goes on coming into this game, Oklahoma is going to be playing with all the confidence in the world, right. right? Because maybe they already feel like they're the big bad Oklahoma. They're the class of the Big 12. And now they have this example of a game that they were completely outclassed in early. 
and still found a way to win. I, I think Oklahoma is in a great position in terms of maybe even having a chance to, to get back into the playoff conversation with the way some of the results went this weekend. And look, Baylor has a bit of a shout too if it can, I guess, make it to the finish line and, and still be in that position with only one loss. But uh, look, I, I think this game is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think it'll end up being uh, a bit of a chess match with what each team maybe shows. Uh, I, I guess in this game down the stretch, I, I don't know if you save things, how you kind of make it work. But, uh, look, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think these are the maybe the best two teams in the Big 12. Iowa State kind of let me down uh, this last week against Kansas. So well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're clearly the best teams. And what I, I find curious here is what if Baylor beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship? Baylor will go to the, you know, there's New Year's Six Bowls as mm-hmm. the conference champion, but it does a two-loss Oklahoma stand a chance of sneaking into one of those games as an at-large and then get two teams in the, for the conference center. I don't think a Baylor with two losses would get in, particularly, you know, if they lost that last game. But I think Oklahoma with two losses, they have different rules. And your name Oklahoma, Texas, yeah. Ohio State, Alabama, you have different rules. I think they might sneak in. Yeah, I was going to say, we keep going. You could list like six oh, yeah. SEC schools and, oh, yeah. and get it on that list. But but no, I, I and, and look. At the end of the day, these are the teams that did the you, – you can argue about how they got there. You can argue about, like, well, Baylor played a bunch of close games and should they have won this, should they not have won this. Sure. I think they clearly separated themselves, at least in terms of results. So, at the very least, you're getting the two teams that deserve to be there. Uh, you know what every win has in common? I do not. You, you won. Oh. You won. I Maybe mean, I did yeah, know that it goes one, into, It goes in that, that one column, and yeah. it doesn't matter if it's by a point or 50. Uh, that's wisdom for me. <laughs> now, a quick look at your poll question results, and poll questions are brought to you by Film at 11, your go fast, look good, play hard, custom shop. Well, last week's question was, and it was a doozy, Kansas State has lost two games in a row to drop to six and four in the season with two games to play at Texas Tech and Iowa State at home. What will the Wildcats record be at season? And you see the results here. They're smart. Viewers know what's going on. Yeah, well, 10% going six and six. Sorry, you're already wrong. Eight and four, 40%, 50% at seven and five. I think they like that middle option. Here is this week's question How will KU basketball fare at the Maui Invitational? A, win the event. B, come in second. C, lose before the championship game. Vote at thedriveshow.com. Scott is not in Maui. No. He's here. I'm here. That's, the Maui of the, the Midwest, as it's that's called. That's Ames. Yeah. Oh, Ames. Ames. Yeah, you're right. That's why I'm yeah. so tan now. Mm-hmm. Hey, Michigan State-Kansas, potential championship game matchup. That's not bad. Yeah. Hawaii, um, Michigan State-Kansas. Mm-hmm. And we're here together. Mm. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. Two-minute drill sponsored by Hula Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. 
thankful with Saturday's victory. Kansas State now has seven wins with one game to play, but is there any clarity about the Wildcats' bowl destination? No, and, and actually the win kind of muddied things up a little bit. You, you know, there's really four bowls in play, unless somehow, as we mentioned in the first segment, if the Big 12 gets two teams in those New Year's Six bowls, everything shifts up. <clears throat> but in all likelihood, the winner of that championship game goes into the New Year's Six. The loser will go to the Alamo Bowl. And that leaves the Camping World, Texas, Liberty, and Cheez-It Bowl. Yes, the Cheez-It Bowl for the next four teams, which are Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. So those four teams, depending on what they do this weekend, it'll all kind of you know, snap into place. The wild card is this, is that the Bulls aren't obligated to take uh, anyone in any order. If they have, they have a pecking order that they pick in, but once they're on the board, if a team's bowl eligible, they can pick them. So in, you know, it's entirely possible, let's say the camping world, which is considered the third bowl spot in the Big 12, even if Texas would lose, even if Texas would lose to Texas Tech and go end up six and six, in theory, the campy world, if they got Notre Dame as their other team, could take Texas in the matchup with Notre Dame, which would stink for everyone else who might have an eight-win season and not get the best bowl spot. But Texas is Texas, and they get a lot of viewers apparently, or so they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So really, in all likelihood, even if Kansas State wins, it's entirely possible they will end up in the Liberty Bowl. They could slide up into the Texas Bowl, and with a loss at seven and five, they'll probably slide down into the Cheez-It Bowl. There's one more bowl, the First Responders Bowl, um, and TCU, if it can win, would get into that with six wins. That's a lot of bowls, a, a lot to pick There's from. seven slots, and TCU would be the seventh team if they get their six to win. Yeah, I just <clears> wanted to ask you, I mean, think about where this team was, where everything was coming into the season. I mean, if you would have told people around this program that, hey, you're going to have seven wins going into your last game. I mean, this program was picked, what, nine right. in the Big 12? What, what do you think the, the I guess, reaction would have been? You know, it, it's funny. The over-under in Vegas at the start of the season was five and a half wins for Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd get six. Maybe I was a little optimistic even at that, you know, and, and have the chance to be eight wins in the regular season, nine with the bowl win is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. And yet there's some frustration amongst the fans because it didn't quite make yeah. sense how they got there. They, you know, they beat the likes of Mississippi, State and in Oklahoma and then they've lost some games they didn't think they'd lose including West Virginia at home so that's just that's what the the way it goes yep well KU basketball is out in Hawaii for the Maui Invitational Scott what can the Jayhawks get out of this tournament besides a few wins well wins are obviously going to be the biggest thing late in the year but I think there are a lot of questions uh, right now with Kansas basketball I I think the power forward spot the four spot it's a position that's become I mean largely obsolete in in basketball especially at the professional level when you look at the number of teams that play small and go small ball and four guard but uh, at the same time Kansas is trying to buck that trend because of the players on the roster. David McCormick has been impressive this year. He has been a better rebounder than he was as a freshman. He has done more offensively than he did as a freshman which obviously to be expected it's hard to come into college basketball as a freshman uh, even when you're a McDonald's All-American and a high four-star recruit. Silvio De Sosa, conversely has uh, had the energy showed in his freshman year in the back half of the season that he had the ability to play and stay on the court with lottery picks. He did it against Duke in the Elite Eight, but 
at the same time, uh, it was a challenge. He had times where he would be inconsistent. He had times where he would throw the ball away. or times where Bill Self would not be able to trust him. Now, uh, what you saw a, a little bit ago was that Bill Self put him on the court for the last five minutes and 45 seconds uh, of a game that he believed against ETSU uh, was in contention, a, a team that he called good multiple times after the game. He wanted to see what Silvio DeSosa would do down the stretch, and uh, by all accounts, DeSosa passed the test. He even had a sequence, I think, where he had a steal and then a dunk and then a block, just one after the other, and that block actually came on a three-point shot. So. I think the biggest thing for Kansas right now is figuring out as you play some of these good teams, BYU and UCLA, they'll take on one of those two after they uh, likely defeat Chaminade, who is the the, yeah, the the first game of that tournament. Sorry, Chaminade. May, maybe Michigan State again, but uh, in, in the championship game, you're going to get to see against some decent to good to potentially great competition, how does it look when KU plays with two big? How do these uh, different teams kind of match up against the Jayhawks? And, are they able to play the way that college basketball five years ago, even 10 years ago, certainly, that you would have looked at and said, wow, that roster is absolutely stacked for the way the sport is. Now things have changed a little bit. I think this will be a great opportunity for them. Three games to kind of prove that they can do it. It amazes me. You can only go to this tournament, I think, every once every four years. Yeah, and yet it feels like KU goes every year. <laughs> it feels like they go all the time. Yeah. And KU fans get to go to Maui, including my brother and sister-in-law, mm -hmm. and have a good time. Kansas State is playing in Fort Myers. Nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with Fort Myers. It's not Maui, yeah. but it's Fort Myers. Well, hey, KU played, I think it was Indiana and Hawaii a few years back, so maybe that's why it feels like they go to Maui so much, because they find ways around it. Now we're going to step out of bounds. Well, Arizona State beat Oregon, and Ohio State beat Penn State, basically eliminating the losers from college football uh, playoff contention. Alabama, meanwhile, beat Western Carolina in one of those cushy SEC November non-conference games. So, Fitz, why does the SEC get away with this scheduling? I remember a few years ago when uh, someone in the Big 12 beat someone else in the Big 12 late, and they didn't do it by enough, so the, the committee dropped them. I think it was TCU. Yeah. Right? And, and yet, the SEC can play these games. It's crazy. I don't understand it. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's an obvious solution, but the SEC is too cowardly to do it, which is change to nine conference games. I mean, it's crazy that they're still playing four non-conference games, including these just ridiculous contests mm -hmm. in November that nobody wants to see. And, and if the SEC is such a valuable TV commodity, why aren't the networks, the, the rights holders, demanding that they play nine conference games? And then don't turn around and say, because we're 14 teams, we don't see some opponents in the East and West every, you know, yeah. every time a comet comes around. I mean, it just is crazy. Just go play nine games. And Alabama, go play someone in the non-conference. And I don't want to hear nobody will play you because I guarantee you teams will play you. You just don't want to go to their <laughs> venue. That's the problem. Yeah. Kansas State would play you. Well, maybe not. Yeah. But Kansas State would likely take that home and home and have Alabama and Manhattan. Absolutely. But you won't do it. You know that's true. Play nine games. Play someone in the non-conference. And I say this, the committee should go to a point system that for every game uh, under 10, 
of power five opponents that you play, you get docked. Hmm. I, I, it would solve a lot of problems. It, you have to do something because, look, at the end of the day, I, you know, whether it's a, a neutral field or whether you schedule an opponent 20 years out, I know Kansas and Virginia play, I think in 2030 and 2029, and you can't really account for whatever. It, look, it, what we've learned watching these committees is that you kind of get away with playing no one because you don't want to risk that loss. And even if you beat a team by just a couple points, you know, a good team, or you beat a bad team by 70, the committee at times, especially with the SEC, has weighed that kind of the same way. Now, teams that don't have that name brand, they haven't gotten that same benefit. I, I do think it's an issue for college football, something they have to figure out because it, it feels wrong to say that Alabama shouldn't be in there because we both know Alabama is typically one of the best four teams right. in college football no matter what. Uh, that being said, you, you have to find a way to And, to and they really it. haven't beaten anyone of substance. I think the best wins, Texas A&M. Well, now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question this week is... It drives me crazy, not me personally. This <laughs> is the person saying this. It drives me crazy watching Carter Stanley. How can he score, and he didn't actually score, 48 points at Texas, 3 points against Kansas, and 31 against Iowa State? Mary in Baldwin City demands answers, <laughs> and Scott Chasen has the answer. Well, bonus Go. points for being right about the 3 versus the 10, because Manny Miles uh, scored that last touchdown late against Kansas State. It's, it's kind of crazy. I, I think a lot of it is tied to uh, play calling, and that's not just to say uh, when Les Miles does X, Y, and Z, the offense falters, because Les Miles is not calling every down, he's not calling every plays, but I think it's uh, capitalizing on the right opportunities, not mixing things up, not running, uh, you know, plays that are predictable basically in third and short and goal line scenarios. What did Kansas have success with against Iowa State? Well, they stretched the field, and I think they had one time, it was something like a third and three right by the goal line. They lined up with one of those heavy set formations where you think, oh boy, Les Miles has called a run up the middle, and what do they do? They fake it and they throw it to a fullback who has never caught a pass in practice from Carter Stanley. That kind of creativity is why Carter Stanley had a ton of praise for Brent Dearman after this game. He called his play calling phenomenal and unbelievable. And while I'd like to think that that was an earnest compliment, I think that may have been in part a statement of him saying, hey, here's the guy I want calling the plays for me. Remember to ask us your questions at our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we look at your predictions here on The Drive. I don't want to do it, but we will. <laughs> You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to look at our predictions. The predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. And remember to make your weekly predictions at thedriveshow.com. Here are last week's results. Only I could possibly go 2-1 and one and lose ground further. Good week Every, for everyone. Everyone went 3-0 and oh except me, and I stink. Now this week's picks start with, and what's interesting is, is all three road teams are favorites mm -hmm. in their picks. Baylor at 14.5 point favorite at Kansas. Will Baylor cover 14.5? Win by 15 or more, I say yes. I, I think I'll take <coughs> Baylor too on this one. Okay. Well, next is Iowa State minus 3.5 at K-State. I, I like Iowa State here too. I'm going with the, the favorites uh, on the road. They always play close games, so it's entirely possible Iowa State wins by 3 and K-State 
covers that, so mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Cats. And our last game of the week is Oklahoma, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma does it. Hey, rivalry games, usually closer. Give me Oklahoma State. Very good. Again, make your picks over at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong and local community, and we start with Scott Jason. Well, each year there's a freshman in college basketball, or maybe on one of the local teams not ranked as a five-star that emerges as one of those special guys you could see turning into something down the line. And Tristan Anaruna looks like that for Kansas this year. His defensive potential had four steals last game to go along with four rebounds, four assists, four points, a bunch of fours. But I've uh, been impressed with what I've seen from Tristan Anaruna, so wanted to mention. Let's talk about freshmen at K-State. They have three really good ones. And they will be playing next week in the Rocket Mortgage Quicken Loan Fort Myers Classic. That's <laughs> Right, the Rocket Mortgage Quicken Loan Fort Myers Classic. And Montavious Murphy really has piqued my interest. I'm not sure he'll be available to play. He's a little bit dinged up. But K-State is kind of struggling, winning but struggling. I say just go let the three freshmen play and get better while you do it. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.